Hey, hey y'all. y'all. Welcome to NOLA Hots, a podcast to raise awareness about congenital heart defects and discuss resources about CHD and some other stuff. We're just two heart mamas from New Orleans doing this for heart mamas. Our dads, grandmas, aunts, friends, whoever may want to listen. That's Susan Oakwin. And that's Lana Stevens. And we feel like we've got a lot to say. Did y'all ever notice that we record the same intro every time but it's not pre-recorded we don't pre-record it it's us. and our kids want to know why we just like to cling the glasses okay we just figured why would we only do that once when we can do it every other week i told them you know like sometimes you know we might just be more energetic one day than another day and we are so like, you know there's some days that is the history on our intro <laughs> Also, do you remember the time we sat down? I'm totally off subject here. We sat down. Shocker. <laughs> do you remember when we went to breakfast at the Ruby Slipper that morning? We're coming up with all this. And we're like, so what are we saying at the beginning? <laughs> How did we come up with that intro? I don't know, but it's worked. We kept know. it. We Sh- like it. Write us or send us an email if you feel like we should change it. We may, we may or may not listen to you, but <laughs> give us your opinions on our intro. If you're tired of hearing it, we'll take that. But if you're not, we'll keep saying it. So here we are. It's November. Halloween. Halloween is Carson passed. in mourning. Carson's in mourning. He's planning his 2023 costume already oh today. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and so my favorite month. I know it because is. Because I love you Thanksgiving. Love Thanksgiving. <laughs> Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. I love it. Um, and then we're going to Tennessee so I can see a little, you know, change of season so i'm hoping um i probably should get on it get on the ball i'm hoping thanksgiving week because we don't have a whole lot of plans we might try to fit in like some college visits Stop. <laughs> how did we get here i don't know you know what i'm thinking like hmm. I don't, i'm not ready to buy a christmas presents uh, oh, I don't think about that either. can i just give my kids a can bunch I, of gift cards and cash can i and just be like knock yourself out can i just give everybody love <laughs> here's can a hug <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. Isn't it all about love and not the gifts? And, you know, I, I love giving my kids stuff, but I, I do miss the excitement of, of yeah, littles. Like, same. I love giving to my godchildren who are still little. Yeah, and they get excited about it. And everything. they get so excited about it. Right. And they just love every present. Yep. You know, not no more. Is that what we have to look forward to for grandkids one day, maybe? Yes. Isn't that what grandparents like? Yeah. Okay. Back to, back to CHD world, Back right? to why we're here. Yep. Okay, so today we have a special guest. Um, she is with Early Steps, um, and her name is Kate Hecker. Um, she is going to talk to us about the program that she works with, um, with lots of different kids that may need help um, as far as, you know, kind of getting on track where they need to be. But many of times this could fall under... Um, a patient that does have CHD. Not all the time. Not every CHD patient might need these services, but it's a service that is an option for um, children. And it, we'd like to be able to put it out there so that families know that this is something that's available to you. So, was that something that Harley ever had to have? She did not. I mean, so Henry benefited from early stuff. Did you? Okay. Yes, for sure. He did speech. PT and OT all through early steps and then eventually switched over to to crane. I mean, do I think that it probably could have helped? I don't think it would have hurt if she had it, but she did not have it. And I don't know if it was just because 17 years ago it wasn't as prevalent or I have no idea or just it could have been, you know, what as with everything else, like we just didn't hear about things like we do now because of social media and people talking more about it and um, I will say I think I knew about early steps because a friend of mine from Dominican, um, she reached out to me 
and she was working for early steps at the time. And so she made me aware of it. But um, like so many things, like our podcast, I really do wish people that kind of like introduced parents into the CHD world kind of let them know that this is something that that they may need because there are generally, even if not major delays, at, at least most people I know that have had CHD kids there walking and their speech yeah. are always somewhat delayed. Yeah. No, no doubt she could have benefited. Harley was 19 months before she walked, but um, I, I don't know why. It, I mean, like it came. We just didn't like think to say, or nobody told us, Hey, she could probably benefit from uh, physical therapy. So maybe. And know. I think in the case of Henry too, you know, there's the twin. So you're yeah. always like eh. comparing. Yeah. And I remember they were like, if Ben does something and three months later, Henry isn't, you well, have right. to worry That's about a it because idea, he was in the idea. hospital for about three months. So, gotcha. but um, you know, none of that happens overnight. So you got to kind of anticipate mm-hmm. that it's not mm-hmm. happening. Well, anyway, uh, and here's a fun fact. Kate was also a choreographer for one of the shows Harley was in a few years ago when she was in Junie B. Jones. So talk about a small world. New I Orleans remember is, that show. Yeah. New Orleans is like the biggest tiny city, right? Yeah. The smallest big city. How do you say that? We're all related somehow. I know. And so when, um, when her name came across my, my phone, I thought, oh, well, this is a small world. So she actually... Maybe she did do a little PT, a little choreography PT with Harley. <laughs> we didn't even know it, huh? Okay, let's hear from her. Um, let's welcome Kate to the podcast. Welcome to Kate Hecker Corral with Early Steps of Louisiana, correct? Yes, ma'am. Awesome. Thank you for joining us today. Hi. Hi, thank you for having me. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Kate, and like where, you know, what's your education? Like, where'd you go to school? Where are you from? And um, you know, kind of how you got involved with early steps. Yeah. So, um, I am born and raised here in Metairie. Um, my job title, I'm an early interventionist, which means that I work with children who are birth to five years old with um, a variety of special needs. I went to LSU for my undergrad degree. Um, and I went to UNO for my master's. Um, and I, early steps is just so close to my heart. I owe my entire current career to it. When I was at LSU, I was, um, a senior spring of my senior year. I was on track to go get my master's in social work, like start that program the following year. And I was interning with, um, the case managers for early steps in Baton Rouge. And so that was what kind of um, exposed me to the world of early intervention. And I saw the service providers, the therapists actually providing like therapy to the babies. And I said, wait, that's what I want to do. So I think spring of my senior year of college, what I really wanted to do. So I'm sure my parents were thrilled that it happened. But yeah, and so I've been involved with Early Steps in some capacity or another um, since then, 2016, and it's just led me to meet a lot of really wonderful people, and they've given me really great opportunities. Um, I have worked in a lot of different settings, both privately and in the public sector, and um, I've loved every opportunity I've had, and I just really owe it all to this program, so I love it. That's awesome. Can you... like? You know, like I said, I, we never had any experience with early steps. and I know Susan has, but can you tell us a little bit about like, what exactly is early steps? Is it just Louisiana based? Or is this a national thing? Is it government related? Is it private? How does this work? Yeah. So the reason we're all here, the reason early steps exists is because of the federal law IDEA, which most people are familiar with the individuals with disabilities education act. Um, and it covers 
a really, really wide range of people and stages of life. But I just want to be specific right here and say that early steps deals with what we call part C of idea. Um, I just don't want people to think that I'm talking about this federal law and I'm only, you know, like I'm leaving an area or a group of people out or anything. I'm only talking about something called part C. So basically idea um, says that every state in the country has to have an early intervention program that serves children from birth to three with a variety of special needs and developmental delays, things like that. Okay. Um, I, uh, here in Louisiana, it's called early steps. Um, like I said, every state has one though. Um, I know, uh, in Oklahoma, it's called sooner steps or sooner start, you know, the, the sooners out there. Okay. Um, it just, every state has their own name. Um, you can Google, like if someone doesn't live in Louisiana and they're listening to this, you can Google just whatever state you live in North Carolina early intervention system and it'll pop up. Okay. Um, here in Louisiana, Early Steps is through the Louisiana Department of Health and Hospitals. I imagine it's the same in any other state, um, but it's really easy to find the information anywhere online. Um, and two really big, like driving key factors about Early Steps that make it really wonderful um, are that one, it is family centered. Um, we use family centered practices, meaning that. I can go into a home and I can work with a child. A speech therapist can do the same. An OT, a PT, whoever is on that child's um, caseload can go in and work with a child. But we believe that the child's family is their number one first support system and teachers. And we believe in educating the family to be able to provide what we're doing for their child. Okay. Because that child won't be on my caseload anymore, you know? I, I can't be with that child all the time. So the idea is even once I leave, even once that child moves on away from me and off my caseload, the family will still be able to support them. Um, and then the other really important thing I want to say about early steps um, is that it is really based on the research we know about early intervention, which is, of course, the idea that the earlier you provide services, the greater growth you're going to see and the more positive outcomes we'll get later on in that child's life. Um, we really are rooted in the belief of the critical period, we call it, which is the first five years of a child's life. That's when they are just sponges and we can really um, get the most bang for our buck, so to speak. You know, we're going to see the most growth uh, in the quickest amount of time. So you said birth to it's a, the program is from birth to three. Three. Okay. Um, and so what is, I mean, when you say birth, like at what, what's your typical age that you start or that like you how does like somebody know they yeah. should call you? Yeah. So I, hold on, let me scroll down. Let me find my notes on that. So I've had kids enter early steps as young as a month old. Those are your babies that are born with our medical conditions are, you know, congenital heart disease or spina bifida or cerebral palsy, something like that going on. Usually in that case, you've got the doctor or the social worker in the hospital when the baby's born referring the family. Um, however, because they age out once they turn three, they can really be referred any point before they're three year birthday. I mean, I've had kids come in who are two and a half who um, maybe, it, you know, at that point they came in for their, their well checkup or their annual visit with the pediatrician and 
mom said she has a concern about speech or whatever. And the doctor said, here, why don't we refer you to early steps and see if you can get evaluated with them and get in with them. So really at any point in time, literally between birth and their third birthday, they can enter. Okay. So let me ask you, I mean, I know from my own experience, but for people listening, what happens when you reach age three, but you still need therapy? So another great question. So once they turn three, so like I said, early steps is called part C of IDEA. Once they turn three, they move on to something we call part B. So again, in IDEA, that federal law, um, not only does it say that every state has to have an early intervention program, it also says that upon a child's third birthday, if they still need those services, the public school system in that like civil parish or county, depending on where they live in, um, has to pick up those services. That's another great thing about early steps is that it gives you a fast pass, so to speak. If your child is in early steps, they get, they kind of go to the top of the list to get evaluated with the public school system in your parish to get the evaluation, determine what services they need. And, um, because of the federal law, again, the school system is going to start providing those services upon the child's third birthday. Gotcha. And for someone who doesn't utilize the public school system, you would go to? So they can still receive those services. So that's actually, I've, I've worked in each of these steps before. I worked in, in our early steps with the birth to three. I've done some transition work. Um, and now I'm working in the public school system where I'm part B, where I'm receiving the kids who are age steps. Um, And so I always, always tell the families I interact with in early steps, even if you don't plan on utilizing the public school system, go through with the evaluation because, um, and things can always change. But at this point in time, I am able to see three, four, and five-year-olds to provide special instruction services, even if they're not attending a public school. Um, I'm called an itinerant or a community teacher. So I go into a lot of private schools in the area, um, daycares, you know, maybe there's a three or four-year-old in a daycare. They're not in school yet. I go to people's homes, you know, maybe the three-year-old stays home with mom or grandma. Um, I can go a lot of different places in the parish that are not actual Jefferson Parish public schools to see my kids. And um, the same thing for our other service providers, our speech therapists can go into different environments. Um, Our OTs and PTs, our adapted PE teachers who work closely with our PTs um, in different capacities, we can all go out into different um, settings to provide those services. So you mentioned Jefferson Parish. Obviously, we're, we're all living in Jefferson Parish um, as we were recording this. But is this? And you mentioned that it's a, it's early steps is for the state of Louisiana. Does anything vary parish to parish, or it's across the board the same for the whole state? So this is across the board the same, not just for the state but for the entire country. That the public school system has to pick up those services, start providing those services upon a child's third birthday the mode in which the parish provides those services may vary. Okay. Um, I have a lot of families who, um, you know, reside in Orleans Parish and they'll ask me, and I always hate to say it, but I have to refer them to someone else to give them their information because the Orleans public school system is a total mystery to me. I really don't know much about okay. it. It's a different 
service providing options, things like that. But it is across the board, not just the state, but the country that we are providing um, these services in some way or another. Gotcha. Um, My next question was going to be, do you see a lot, I don't want to say a lot, but like, are you familiar and and have you seen, um, you know, a handful or a lot of congenital heart defect patients? I've seen a few. Um, I want to say I started seeing her when I, when she was four months old and I think she had just come home from the hospital. I think she came home from the hospital. They waited a couple of weeks and then I started seeing her around four months old. Yeah. How old was Henry when he started? I feel like he didn't actually start until around a year because he wasn't walking. He wasn't talking. Um, and that's kind of, you know, I think maybe OT might've been the first thing. Cause you know, when you get to that later first year where you're supposed to start picking up your own food and mm-hmm. getting your mm-hmm. mat, you know, that OT part. Um, and I always tell other parents, you know, who ask me about it, that, um, I remember his OT telling me part of the reason he struggled so much and still does to this day with his handwriting, you know, so I love when his teachers complain about his handwriting. Cause I'm like, that's like the least of my problems. Right. Um, is that his arms were tied down to boards, you know, for the first two to three months of life. So, you know, that flailing that all the babies do that everybody just thinks it's because they're uncoordinated actually builds the muscles in their wrists and their fingers to be able to do that stuff later. So these kids who were in the NICU and all that stuff for a long time, don't develop those muscles the same Mm -hmm. because they're tied down. So he still struggles with, with writing. I mean, to this day, I mean, we've done, Handwriting therapy, handwriting classes, right, but OT. How many kids struggle with that? Like, that did not go through that. Well, yes, but you know, it's of course you always have the teachers. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't read your handwriting. Mm-hmm. I can't. You need better handwriting. I'm like, mm, okay, um, you know, but it's. I don't think it's those things that you don't really realize as a parent that are important until it affects their development for yeah. something that's like a bigger thing. Right. You know? right. Absolutely. Um, so could you tell us like, how would a family go about getting referred to early steps? Is it something you mentioned before the surgeons or the doctors possibly mention it, but if they don't know, is it like, is it a self-referral thing? Can they reach out on their own or does it have to go through their doctor? No, yeah, they absolutely can refer themselves. Most often the people who, um, refer, babies are usually, you know, maybe the doctor in the hospital who provided whatever diagnosis, um, maybe a social worker in the hospital, a social worker in DCFS, um, maybe a pediatrician. Like I said, they, they might go to their, um, regular well, but yes, a family can absolutely pick up the phone and refer themselves. And, um, if you guys, I don't know if you have any sort of, um, like print medium or anything, but I can definitely you guys, um, the number two, we call it the SPO, S-P-O-E, the system point of entry. Um, I can definitely provide you the number for the Jefferson Parish and the Orleans Parish SPO offices where a would pick up the phone and just say, Hey, I have a child. They're, you know, 10 months old, however old they are. I would really like to get, uh, an evaluation done and they'll get that, that whole system, that whole process started for them. Okay. Is there anything online? We do um, like to share a lot of our guests information on our social media and stuff. So like, is there a website that you would refer them to? What's that through? So there's um, it's through the department, the Louisiana department of health uh, through their website. 
the main place where you can find all of the early steps information. Um, the SPO information is a little more difficult to find on that website. So I might, um, I can send you guys that part of the website. Okay. I might send you guys like the, the specific SPO number separately. Yeah, like I can post the phone number for people that may be interested as well. Yeah, so. for sure. Um, is there anything before we ask our last question? Is there something else that, is there anything else you wanted to add before we asked you our last question? Um, the one thing I had on here, I don't know, like, did you want people to know what the process was of getting into early steps? Past yeah, sure. Um, I mean, like other than that referral number. Yeah. So they would pick up the phone, call the referral number and the process would be, um, someone would come out and evaluate the child. Based on that evaluation, they would determine, okay, does the child qualify for early steps, yes or no? And if the answer is yes, what actual services do they qualify for? And early steps, I mean, they provide everything from, they can provide everything from OT, PT, speech, um, special instruction, that's me, um, psychologists, nutritionists, um, nursing services, all kinds of different things. Um, so the eval will determine which of those services they qualify for. Then the team, the parents, the evaluators, whoever the therapists, the service providers will be, everyone will meet to write the actual plan, mm-hmm. um, like the prescription. It's going to tell everyone what the child's doing right now, what goals we have for that child over the next year or so, um, who's going to be seeing the child, how often, how many minutes they'll see the child, all that kind of stuff. Then the services will start. Um, and then every three months, the team meets to just kind of reevaluate the plan again, say, okay, has this child made progress? Can we get rid of that goal? Can we add a new goal? Are there new concerns? Is there a new diagnosis? Things like that. And then every year, uh, the child will get reevaluated to make sure they qualify for those services. Um, so along the way, the family interacts with quite a lot. Yeah. Um, but every single one of those professionals in my experience has had, um, you know, uh, access to different resources and different people in the community. And that's something that's so amazing about early steps is like, if you have a child who has a specific need of any kind, early steps is the people you want to be involved with because you have the resources, huh? Yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Um, I've seen, early steps personnel help, um, families get assistive technology. I've seen them help get kids, uh, communication devices or walkers or all kinds of different things. Um, um, I'm sure there may be somebody listening that's never heard of, or never experienced early steps before. Can you just kind of give us a recap? Is there any cost to the family for this? So cost is a sliding scale. Um, most people that I have worked with have been able to get services for free or an extremely reduced cost. Um, that sliding scale is based on the family's income. Um, but I will say, because I've had a few families come to me panicked, um, because it is a state program, um, as you know, I'm sure you guys are familiar, a lot of things with the state, um, get delayed. They take a long time. Um, the, the cost to the family has no bearing on myself or any of the other service providers getting paid. Like I've had families who I've seen for, you know, five months and then mom will say, I haven't gotten a bill. Are you going to keep seeing us? And I will keep seeing the child until 
the child no longer qualifies for my services. Um, the family's payments don't actually affect my ability to see the child. I know some people get nervous about Um, so we always ask all of our guests on the podcast, this one particular question, and I hope that, um, you're able to give us a, a good piece of advice. Is there any, um, information or piece of advice that you would like to give to any of our CHD parents that may be listening or, um, CHD patients that may be listening? What's your one takeaway for a CHD family member to take away from here? I think it actually has something to do with what you said at the beginning of our conversation that early intervention services. Um, you know, I don't have a crystal ball. That's what I always say. Like, I don't know how a child will fare with or without intervention services, but I'm part of like the team and in the camp that just get, if the services are available to you, just get them. Okay. They're never going to hurt, you know? Yeah. Well, thanks. That's, that's a good piece of advice. And I think that that is important. Like you said, you've, You've been there already and you tell people all the time, like, just do it, just look into it. And and the earlier, the better. So as Susan and I are meeting new families and new moms that are starting with this, it's good to be able to, to share those resources with them. So we thank you so much for joining us today. And um, once again, and we're going to share it on our social media, but you can go to the Louisiana department of health, health and hospitals. Is that right? Or just, yeah, you can just do Louisiana department of health early if you'd like Google that. Okay. And then that'll, that'll start the process. So we appreciate you joining us today and all your wealth of knowledge of information. And um, hopefully a lot of our listeners will take advantage of the services that you guys provide. All right. Thank you, sweet Kate, for giving us all the information about early steps. Highly recommend. Do you? I do. I think it's very good. And I mean, it's a resource that's there that is paid for. So why not? Right, right. Just get it done. Because once you get into private paying therapy, yikes. Yeah. I mean, if your insurance doesn't cover that, then that's definitely something you want to be able to look at. And I'm, you know, I'm not saying. And the earlier, the better. Right. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that, you know, it's terrible that Harley didn't get to benefit from this, but I'm sure it could have helped. I'm sure it couldn't have hurt. So um, definitely something we recommend to these new moms that might be just starting out and not sure exactly if they need it. Just get it. Worst case scenario. You can stop it if you feel like it's not necessary. Well, and I will say this about them, um, because I had friends who were declined for it. If they don't think you meet the criteria or qualify, they'll be like, no, your kid's on track. Or a little slow, come back in six months. Mm -hmm. Or So they're very honest and good about it. I think that, you know. Well, I'm glad she was able to come on and share. So we appreciate you, Kate. And we are going to share um, your information on our social media and the website so that people can maybe even self-refer if they need to. Um, please continue to share your personal stories, whether it be your personal stories as an adult um, with CHD or if it's your child or your niece or your nephew or grandchild, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at nolahots at gmail.com. You can also message us and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at nolahots. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Amazon Music, and Pandora. Also, when you're on Apple Podcasts, you can rate and review us. So we appreciate all the positive rates and reviews. We're looking forward to the next episode. Don't forget, no judgment here. It's all about survival. Cheers. Cheers.